Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. In the 2009 movie, World's Greatest Dad, Robin Williams' character Lance says, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel all alone. And in 1854, Henry David Thoreau wrote in Walden, the mass of men lead lives of quiet desperation. These quotes can be applied to a lot of relationships people find themselves in. And I have a few face plant relationships in my past as well. So what makes someone settle for being in a relationship that is off? Is it better than being alone? Or are there things you can do to make it better? Well, that's what I'm going to be talking about today with my guest, therapist, author, and college instructor, Terry Gaspard. Terry, thanks for coming on the show and talking about what is such a heartbreaking situation. Thank you, Leslie. I really appreciate you inviting me to be on the show, and it really is a very important topic. Yeah, because you wrote a piece for the Good Men Project titled Eight Ways to Stop Settling for Less Than You Deserve in a Relationship. But before we get to your suggestions, which, by the way, all eight are fantastic, can you briefly talk about why people settle for less than supportive relationships? What's up with that? Well, we all have our family backgrounds. You know, we are influenced, (laughs) obviously, by our parents and our upbringing. Mm -hmm. And in my case, in the case of many of the women that I work with in my private practice as a therapist and also as a coach for my website, what I notice is that we tend to be people pleasers, Mm -hmm. generally speaking, many of us. So in order, you know, to feel okay in a relationship, we tend to you know, overdo it sometimes and Uh rationalize and really try to fix the person or hope that they will be fixed and treat us the way we deserve to be treated. So this causes us to be, in my opinion, a little bit too patient with a partner who doesn't respect us, you know, is not good at, you know, really reading our cues for boundaries, asks too Uh much of us doesn't really bring out our best self. And in addition to that, I think most of us are afraid of being single. We have a lot of stereotypes, as you well know, in the Uh media um, about how awful it is to be, you know, waiting home on a Friday or Saturday night for someone to call. You may have heard friends tell us, you know, it's awful trying to meet someone when you're Uh single, Match.com you know, is, you know, really not a good way to meet people and all my friends are miserable. So we take all this stuff in from the media and we incorporate that with our own family background and it creates a boatload of irrational beliefs that, one, it's not a good idea to be single. You're better off being having a partner even if things aren't going well. And, two, if you are single there's a good chance that you're never going to meet anyone. <laughs> yeah, what was it in the, was it the 80s or 90s when it was, you know, 
single women over a certain age were were more likely to be killed by a meteor than they were to get married or whatever weird statistic that was. It's like, okay, I'm not even quite sure where that's coming from. And in some respects, yeah. why is that such a bad thing? I mean, you know, several of my clients, you know, I mean, have have done this. I know that I did this. I, you know, when I look back at my 19 year old self and think, oh my God, <laughs> you poor child, because I was, you know, that definitely I was making decisions about you know looking for love in all the wrong places to quote the song um because i was so desperate you know and and being by myself was you know it wasn't okay and you know and this is how we end up in you know in accepting less and you know you're talking about boundaries and when i talk to my clients i tell people that you know pushback is a feature of boundary setting not a flaw it's like if you set boundaries you've got to be prepared that people aren't going to like those boundaries and so can true. you and can you hold on to those boundaries in the face of this other person's disappointment <laughs> because mm-hmm. I don't want you to have that boundary and you know right. and 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 it and it does it just sets this you know it just sets this thing and, and if we haven't seen good relationships which many of us didn't then True. you know we kind of go well. This is what you know. This is what you're supposed to do. This is what it's supposed to be like. <laughs> I'm like, right. and and again, it's that should and supposed to. It's like, can we please just throw those words right out the window? Um, mm-hmm. You know, and and it's, so it's what I want people to understand is that this is really common. Um, a lot of people do it. I'm trying to remember. I was I was there was a a poll. I think it was in Glamour magazine again, many years ago, where they were talking to women and 30% of women said that they knew on their wedding day they were making a mistake marrying this person and they went through with it anyway. Mm-hmm. They talked themselves into it. So sometimes right. when we have cold feet, instead of paying attention to it, we go ahead and mm-hmm. get married and then we we worry because we worry about you know our family's expectations right. and what are our friends going to think and we don't really stop and think about our authentic needs and you know what we our instincts are telling us and what mm-hmm. we need in mm-hmm. a relationship to thrive so that that feeling of lack of of self-awareness and lack of assertiveness is really key in this whole topic Right. And so I want to get on to um, some of your suggestions about how to not get caught up in this. And two of the ways that you mentioned to stop settling are to, one, gain self-awareness about your choice of partners, and two, don't compromise your values. So first off, how do people do these and what makes them so important? Well, self-awareness is is not something that comes naturally. I think, you know, we kind of, as women, especially girls and young women, we want to be good girls. Right. We want to be liked. We want to be in a good mood. And so we tend to focus on other people, as I said earlier. Uh-huh. But if we take some time to ourselves, we don't always say yes to everyone. Uh-huh. We practice saying no. We decline invitations occasionally. You know, we as a um, young adult, you know, we join a book club, we do reading, we get coaching or counseling. 
a lot of my young clients are really learning a lot from our sessions and from reading materials I give them and just identify what are the top ten qualities that you admire in a person. I think Mm -hmm. admiring a partner as a person outside of how they make you feel is really important. Like, how do they treat people? You know, right. are they polite to someone that waits on them in a restaurant? Do they treat mm-hmm. their family members well? So if you identify those qualities like loyalty, trustworthiness, you know, those are all important qualities to a lot of my clients. Um, someone who is willing to put their own needs on the back burner when you're having a bad day and listen to what's going on with you. Then... You have to pick the top three, in my opinion, that are the most important mm-hmm. and, not, and not compromise on those. I think we all have to, as women, come up with deal breakers. Like, you know, no, I'm not okay with that. You're right. like, you make me feel like an afterthought. Right. This isn't working for me. You know, instead we, we kind of talk ourselves into accepting behaviors from a partner that really don't match our needs and then we're unhappy a lot. So self-awareness is something that happens over time. For Mm -hmm. me, it was a gradual process, even Mm -hmm. being a therapist and a coach. I didn't really gain (laughs) a lot of self-awareness in my teens and my early 20s. It wasn't until I went into graduate school and started taking more um, Mm in-depth analysis of them. But self-awareness can come over time. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be willing to share Mm-hmm. you know, what it is that's going on with you, and certainly counseling and coaching can help with that. Well, yeah, I mean, and it's, you know, and it, it, I've said this before on the show when um, over the years I've had people ask me if I do premarital counseling. I said yes with anybody willing to do it. <laughs> but, but you exactly. know, I've actually, but but a lot of people think, well, if I, if I do, go do premarital work, they're going to tell me I shouldn't marry this person. And my idea is like, well, if that thought has already occurred to you, <laughs> You may want to do some checking it out. But, you know, I I do think that something that you said was so critically important about how we're trained that, Mm -hmm. you know, um, there was a book written, I gosh, probably in the 80s, was called The Gift of Fear by Gavin DeBecker. And Mm -hmm. we all have that internal alarm system where we feel that things are off. But we Mm -hmm. get that trained out of us. You know, it's like, Oh, go give you know, go give Uncle Jimmy a kiss. I don't want to give Uncle Jimmy a kiss. Or you know, you're, you're picking right. up. That doesn't feel okay. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, you know, or 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 somebody will tell you, oh, look at all the wonderful things this person has. They have a good job, and blah blah blah. But they don't make me feel good when I'm with mm-hmm. them. They, yeah. you know, and a lot of my clients have said to me, well, he doesn't hit me, and I'm going, oh my God, if that's the bar. <laughs> I mean, yes, that, I mean, yes, but by all means, that is a good thing that you're, that this person that you're living with or you're involved with doesn't hit you, yes, but that's mm-hmm. a pretty, that's a pretty low bar. It's a you low know, standard, exactly. How does yes. he make you feel as a person? Does he make you, does he, is he kind of like a, he or she kind of like a cheerleader? Do they right. make you feel somewhat better or worse? You kind of can gauge that and don't compromise your values. That's not. That's one of my eight ways to stop mm-hmm. settling for less. Figure out what your core beliefs are and stand by them. Well, you know, I mean, and, and speak up. 
Well, I mean, you know, and that's, you know, and it's funny because I, you know, I, I read the advice columns, you know, in all the papers and, you know, and somebody uh-huh. will start, it's like, well, you know, he's a really great guy, blah, 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 or she's a really great person. And then I follow reading, I'm going, um, I'm missing how this person is great. I mean, or they've got this one major, you know, thing, which I, you know, I joke, it's like, well, other than that, Mrs. Lincoln, how was the play? I mean, you know, it's like, exactly. it's, you know, it's like this one thing is really not okay. And mm-hmm. being able to have the conversation, first off with ourselves, I think is so critical, that, that self-awareness and identifying our own values. What, what does that mean? Um, and then are we willing, and this here's the part where I think that people get scared, is what happens if I stand up for mm-hmm. my values and say, and again, this, and, and again, we don't have to do this in a harsh, aggressive, negative way. Right. But Assertiveness <laughs> is not aggressive. I right. say that in the article. They're not right. <laughs> it's not the same thing. But it, it's sort of like you know, it's it's you know, this this is important to me, whatever this is, and and I'm not willing to live without it and i do think that people eventually you know will will get there because they because they feel so beaten down that they finally just go i can't take this anymore right what would what would help them step in earlier because i mean not all relationships well are are meant to survive i mean you know dating so is true. about finding finding a a good not just a partner but a good partner, and right. part of that is just being willing to go. Yep, you're just we're just not a good fit because I have this requirement that isn't doesn't seem to be being met. Mm-hmm. Well, you have to be willing to take a risk, and you have to, as I said, be vulnerable and put your needs out there. And if something is a deal breaker, for instance, when I was dating my current husband, my second husband, because I was divorced when I was in my early 40s, he lived in Massachusetts, I lived in Rhode Island, and he at first was not willing to move to to my home state, uh-huh. and that was a deal breaker for me, uh-huh. you know, because I had two fairly young kids, and right. I didn't want to uproot them, so we talked about it, and whoever has the strongest opinion about something that ma- where it really, really matters to them, I think it's the one that should kind of win out, I guess you could say. Oh, yeah, I and agree. I was, I was very assertive with him. I said, you know, we can be, be friends. You know, we might even date because he lived about an hour uh-huh. or so away, but I'm not moving because uh-huh. my children are a commitment to me. So right. over time he realized, okay, you know his his job wasn't a dream job anyway. He could get uh-huh. you know he could start looking for jobs in Rhode Island, and he we did eventually um, buy a house together. Right. You know, not too far from where my kids went to school. But I had to put my foot down. And at first, he said, "Boy, you're not willing to compromise." I said, "No, not on that issue." Well, yeah, I mean, other and- things I can like. Right. Certain <laughs> things like the style of the house or right. the exact location or whatever, but right, you know. But and, so. and and that's and it's scary. It's truly scary because when we take a stand, you know, it means that that relationship may not continue in 
in the way we want it to. Like you said, you guys could have stayed friends, maybe dating, but it wouldn't have gone any further. And, you know, and, and being really clear about that. And so I love that. So I just want to remind my listeners that this is Happily Ever After. It's just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm Leslie Dorries, and I'm talking with therapist, author, and college instructor Terry Gaspard about how to stop settling for less than you deserve in your relationships. Now, there is a difference between making intentional choices that support a healthy relationship and allowing hurtful behaviors to continue in the hopes of staying together. And being able to identify deal breakers and set appropriate boundaries are key to healthy, sustainable relationships. And if you struggle in these areas, you're not alone, but I can help. So if you're interested in learning how to be able to be more assertive, create healthy boundaries and healthy relationships, I invite you to take a moment and send me an email or give me a call and schedule your five-star relationship discovery session. Um, you can reach me by email at Leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S coaching and is in nancy c is in charlie.com or you can reach me by phone at area code 919-924-0463 again that's 919-924-0463 and now i want to get back to this conversation about not settling in your relationships so terry two other ways that you mentioned to stop settling are setting expectations of mutual respect and as an aside, I think that should be a given, um, and ex- and extending trust. So, what do these what do these two require? Well, with the mutual respect, um, if you start feeling uneasy in your relationship and feeling like you're giving too much, some people call that codependency. You know, that's mm-hmm. one way to describe it. You're right. giving up too much of yourself. Right. You know. Like you enjoy the outdoors, your partner really loves to watch TV and binge watch, you mm-hmm. know, whatever series are on, then <laughs> you're probably giving up too much if you spend every weekend watching Netflix mm-hmm. when you want to be outside, you know, kayaking or, you know, enjoying the outdoors. So right. mutual respect would be, okay, I like to watch Netflix, honey, but maybe we could take turns, maybe one mm-hmm. weekend we'll walk and go to a vineyard and then the next weekend we, you know. So respecting who you are and what your values are and your needs. In order to do that, of course, you need to figure out what your passions are. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Which some of us kind of give up too much from an early age. I know I did because I came from a very big blended family. So I got, Mm -hmm. I got, my needs got pretty lost in the shuffle, Mm -hmm. Leslie. Mm -hmm. But as I grew into my adulthood and realized who I was, I'm like, yeah, I really do. I enjoy theater. I enjoy the Mm -hmm. outdoors. I'm not that much of a homebody. So if someone, you know, wants to watch Home Improvement and work on the house all weekend, that's not a good fit for me. So mutual respect has to do with what are your values, and that gets down to work. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe I need to take a call at night. Maybe I need to have a session with a client because mm-hmm. at 7 o'clock because that's the only time they can meet with me. Mm-hmm. So my partner needs to respect that and not make fun of me or put me down. Dr. John Gottman, I know you talk about him mm-hmm. on your show, yep. um, is very, very popular for good reason because of his extensive research, and I have a page on his Institute, and basically what he's taught me is 
you know, if someone criticizes you, not complains, but mm-hmm. co- criticizes you and shows any contempt for you, like rolls their eyes and says, oh, I can't believe you want to see clients on a Thursday night, right. then that's not, that's not showing respect. Right. Or I, or I you can't believe to do that. Right, or rolling your eyes because you want to binge watch Bridgerton. <laughs> you know, it's like, and I yeah. want to help a client who's got a relationship problem, which that that's something that you and I both thrive on. And if your partner or my partner, you know, in any way puts us down or makes us feel less than worthy because we get excited and feel passionate about our work mm-hmm. or our interests right. or our family, even things like visiting, like if, if my sister wants to visit, mm-hmm. you know, and my and my partner or husband makes it out to be a big deal, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, well, we, you know, we can't really accommodate them. Well, maybe I don't want her to stay in a hotel. Right. We have a, a spare room. She can <laughs> stay there. So mutual respect is kind of a big umbrella. It incorporates, mm-hmm. it incorporates who we are, our values, our interests, our occupation, and those relationships that are important to us. And the trust issue mm-hmm. is such a big one. I do a lot of writing about that, both in my two books that I've written and on my website. But I think in general we have to decide, do we have trust issues from the past? Mm-hmm. Certainly many of us do. Or do we have them because the relationship is unhealthy and our partner is not trustworthy? So how do we know that? We find that out through their actions, not through mm-hmm. what they say. And if they're I, consistently late, blow us off, make us feel like other people are more important than we are, don't invite us to do things with their fam- family if their family are, are local, mm-hmm. that's not really showing a commitment and trust. So you want to look for consistency between someone's words and their actions. And don't waste your time on a relationship that doesn't have a future. Even if they say, oh, you know, I really want to make a life with you and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll be able to do this and that. And Okay, that's all good and well, but do their actions really show that? Right. And do they make you feel, oh, you're really important to them? If, on the other hand, if their actions are pretty consistent and they just slip up once in a while... Mm-hmm. and they apologize and say, well, I'll try harder to be on time, and I get <laughs> right. stuck in traffic, whatever, then try your best to extend trust. Because if we become overly pessimistic or cautious in a relationship with someone that is pretty consistent, that's not going to encourage them to want to be in the relationship either. So it's a, right. it's a balance. But you definitely, the most important thing I said, I I believe, Leslie, is looking for consistency between a person's Mm -hmm. words and their actions. Right. And when I I talk with my clients, I said, you know, what you're aiming for is hitting it out of the park 85 to 90% of the time. Because that other 10, 15%, we're human. We make mistakes. Yeah. Um, You know, it's like I, I, I didn't realize that my doing this was problematic for you, but when you mm-hmm. but when you bring it to the table, it's like, oh, okay, <laughs> thank you for the information. Yes, I will fix that. And and you know, and and sometimes it's being willing to stand with somebody. And and this is going to be um, the next question I'm going to ask you. But being being willing to stand with somebody 
and help them figure out, well, why am I always late? You know, exactly. <laughs> I mean, do they it, leave? Do they leave enough time? Do they always right. leave late? Do they right. I mean, stop right. and get a coffee when they could have made their own coffee at home? Whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But at least helping them. And so, but that, but so the one of the other suggestions that you make that I think is so incredibly important is to seek a partner you can be authentic and vulnerable with. It's like, yes. Whoa. Okay, Terry. How can people learn to do this? Because this is. I mean, okay, let me just let me just open myself up to being destroyed by another human being. <laughs> well, you want to first um, be willing to be alone. Right. That, you know, for yeah. me, after my divorce, I had to be comfortable being alone for a few mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and, and pursue some of those things, your passions and your interests. Right. And not be so much in need of a relationship that you stay in toxic or unhealthy ones uh-huh. and then you become vulnerable in my opinion in small steps yep by sharing your feelings about everyday things like oh i can't believe i did something dumb you know i was going too fast i got a speeding ticket geez i don't want to do that again <laughs> you know those are little things uh-huh um but you know, sometimes people don't share those things with their partner because if they're not living together, they don't see them every day because they don't want to appear, um, you know, less than ideal or perfect. So sharing small things, if you have uh-huh. children, oh, I had a disagreement with my daughter, I can't believe that happened, I really want to work on that, and see if they show interest. And then uh-huh. you can share, okay, even though I really want to be a great parent, sometimes I make missteps. So just in small doses, you don't have to throw in the kitchen sink (laughs) and tell a person, especially in the early phase of a relationship, I don't recommend people share all their vulnerabilities. Uh But most of us have some enduring ones. We have some what I call enduring vulnerabilities where we tend to, in my case, rush a little too much, try to cram too much in. Uh Uh-huh. That might cause me to drive a little fast and occasionally get a speeding ticket. <laughs> it all kind of goes fits together with right. who I am, right? Yes. And if my partner makes fun of me and makes me feel like I'm a complete idiot, that's not a good sign. Right. Yeah, there's, there's again, it goes somebody who's laughing with you as opposed to laughing at you, um, which – you know, which is, you know, it's like, yeah, because we all, we all have our little flaws and we all have our little, you know, quirks and things. And, mm-hmm. and it's, are they, are they acknowledged and supported as opposed to, I mean, cause like I've, I've told my husband, that's like, there are certain things that you cannot make fun of me, that you cannot tease me. Yeah, right. That, <laughs> that's my like, bottom line. It's like. It's off the table. I will not react well. These other things over here, I have a, I can have a good self sense of humor about, but that, uh-uh, we are not going there. <laughs> and you can make fun of my meatloaf. I've told my husband that, but right. don't make fun of my wardrobe because right. I, you know, I'm one of these people that likes a certain style, and you either like the way I dress or you right. don't, you know. But I, I right. put some thought into it, so you know, but, there's certain things that I might be a little sensitive about. You know, like my wardrobe and my relationship with my kids. But you can right. make fun of my home decorations or my cooking or anything that I don't really care. You know, I care right. about it, but it's right. not like but part it, of, a strong part of my identity. Right, and it doesn't, and, and, and that teasing doesn't go in 
to the core, you know, to to the core of who we are. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I mean, and and it is, and it's, you know, I mean, and it's one of my all-time favorite quotes is from Maya Angelou, which is like, when somebody tells you who they are, believe them. <laughs> you know, it, it's like, are are you supportive of me when when I come to you with an issue that you know something that's happened that you know I'm my feelings are hurt and I'm bringing that to the table? Are you are mm-hmm. you open to hearing that? Now again, how I bring it to the table matters. Right, using the eye messages, not blaming them, not right. saying you're you know you're insensitive, but right. I feel hurt when you. Right when you know when it you know, when feels the, like you're making fun of me as a parent or my right. wardrobe, those areas are, are sensitive topics for me. I would really appreciate because they're sensitive topics. Right, I would really appreciate it if you know you not poke fun at me about those things. <laughs> and, and it is, I mean, it, you know, and and again, it's. I guess part of it is, and and I loved your your recommendation about being by yourself because that's that's what I've told some of my clients I said you know you're ready to be in a relationship when you can be by yourself and you like the person that you're with exactly and you know sometimes I mean I remember having a horrendous breakup thinking that I you know this guy I was intending to marry had this horrible breakup had this what I call the come to Jesus meeting with myself <laughs> kind of like and I actually said, you know, if I end up, if, if I don't end up married, you know, if I, you know, it's like if I end up just being on my own, I will be okay. Mm-hmm. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean that was my ideal, but it wasn't exactly. like I would, you know, and, and really from that point in time, I started to do the self-healing so that when my husband came along, I was in a place where, okay, I actually can can hold my boundaries. I can, you know, mm-hmm. do certain things because because you know when we met, you know, he actually had this conversation with me about I lived in California and he was moving to Georgia, <clears throat> and he asked me if I would move to Georgia with him. And I basically told him, I said, only if there is one, if not two, rings on my left hand. It's like I. Yeah, am right. not, I, it's Those like I'm not deal breakers. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, I wasn't going to pack up and move. You know, and he kind of just looked at me, and it was like, "That's I'm not packing up and moving across the country by my, you know, basically by myself without some level of commitment." And yeah. obviously, he agreed because yeah. we've been together for almost forty years. So, <laughs> but <It worked. laughs> being but, vulnerable really worked for you. Yeah, but I mean, and and you know, because I was, you know, and 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 it's hard because. It is a risk. It is when when we take a stand. But I think what people don't understand, which is why I really loved your article, is that it's going to eventually catch up with us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's you know, and it's much easier to to cut your losses in the beginning versus waiting until you have twenty years invested, three kids. You know? <laughs> It's and, harder and harder to break up and face divorce the longer you've been married. I counsel some uh, couples, Leslie, that have been married 40, 50 years, and they're not doing as well in couples counseling because their patterns are deeply embedded and they're, yep. they have a lot of really negative ways of relating to each other, but they're not, they're not willing to throw in the towel right. and they are really hard-pressed to make any changes. So 
identifying, being self-aware, identifying what's important to you and what you need to work on. And I guess one of the last points I want to make, too, is is your partner willing to grow together with you? I love it. Because Mm -hmm. that was one of the things my husband said to me when we were dating. I know that relationships take work. I don't believe it when people say relationships should be easy. And if we need to work on something, I'm more than, you know, willing to get my hands dirty and get in there and in his case, be a stepdad, which he was—he mm-hmm. has been a great one. Yeah. And you know, work on the relationship because it's important to me. Yeah. You know, and <laughs> instead of just assuming that things are going to run smoothly, because relationships don't run on automatic. No, they don't. And that's—and actually, putting them on automatic is one of the worst things people can do because mm-hmm. all kind. I tell people, you know. Nothing thrives on neglect, and your relationship is no different. So, Carrie, thank you so much for sharing all of this. And can you please let the listeners know where they can learn more about you, how to how to find, you know, how how to create that sense of self that you know we <laughs> we, we need because wherever we go, there we are. We take ourselves <laughs> with us. And it's exactly. it's the one it's the one relationship that that we're going to have from birth to death. So, well, thank you, Leslie. I appreciate that confidence. And my website is most likely the best place to reach me. You can shoot me a question at movingpastdivorce.com. That's movingpastdivorce.com. But if you want to, you can find me on Facebook. And I'm also at movingpastdivorce.com on Facebook. I'm also on Twitter at movepastdivorce. That's move past divorce. And then lastly, as I mentioned, I am a, a writer at the Gottman Institute. So if you Google Gottman Institute blog, you'll see my page there and um, ways to contact me. So I'm, you know, I'm active um, and I write for a lot of websites and, and I'm active on social media. And well, let me tell you, she's got some great information. So if you're looking for someone to complete you, that's a recipe for disaster. And the fear of being alone can set you up to make decisions that will keep you stuck in relationships that aren't healthy. The relationship might not need to end, but it does need to change so that you feel seen, heard, loved, and valued. Because quite frankly, that's everyone's right as a person. So hopefully you have found this show helpful. And until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.